This is Chronicles 4, verses 9 through 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. And God granted his request. This is Thessalonians 3, verses 1 through 3. Finally, brethren, pray with us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. So during this Easter season, we're going to be looking at some prayers from the Bible and what we can learn from those who lifted up their needs before God. This prayer this morning from Jabez is maybe one of the most unique of, of all the prayers in Scripture. It, it's prayed by a man who is never mentioned before or again in the Bible. This is it. It's a short prayer, less than like 30 words long. But it demonstrates how we should make prayer a priority in our lives. We should always look to God for help in the time of need. He wants us to. Now, a lot of people might look at this and maybe find some offense because it appears, uh, I don't know, selflessness. <laughs> it's like me, 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 me. Oh, that you would bless me, Lord. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. And keep me from harm. So I'll be evil, uh, free from pain. And yet, as I read this, I believe it is not a selfish prayer. How do I know that? Because God doesn't answer selfish prayers. James rebukes a church back in his day. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God and when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. In other words, selfish prayers. Our scripture passage is, is clear that God answered Jabez's prayer for protection, for strength, for blessing. And so therefore, not so selfish. He, he, he had God in mind. You know, years ago, Janis Joplin, if any of you music fans, okay, the 70s era, we're going back a little bit here. Janis Joplin wrote a song, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Anybody remember? Remember that? It's, it's one of those songs that really, in order to listen to it, I mean, to me, it was kind of like, putting your fingers down a chalkboard. <laughs> but um, so, so I think, you know, like the early 70s. 
But I think, you know, everyone who, who heard that song, you know, you, you had to kind of smile because everyone knew that that was not the kind of prayer that God was going to answer. The best kind of prayer is a prayer like the one that Jabez prayed. And, and what makes that prayer so special was that he prayed based upon something that God already wanted to do. You'll notice from his prayer, he says, enlarge my territory. Many historians and archaeologists and uh, scholars tell us that Jabez lived during the time before the judges, shortly after Joshua had died. And at that time, the, the people maybe had five, maybe six books to their Bible and the oral tradition of the stories that were being handed down. So, so Genesis through Joshua. And it seems to me that Jabez had a clear understanding of these scriptures. And, and so perhaps we can visualize him sitting under a tree at his home, reading through a scroll of Exodus, and coming across a passage from Exodus 34. Here's what that says. Three times a year, all your men are to appear before the sovereign Lord, the God of Israel. I will drive out nations before you and enlarge your territory, and no one will covet your land when you go up three times each year to appear before the Lord your God. Exodus 34, verses 23 and 24. You know, what God was saying here was, obey me and I will drive out the nations before and enlarge your territory. In other words, don't worry. If you obey me, I will take care of you. I will protect you. In other words, Jabez's, uh, Jabez was not making a, a selfish prayer. He was quoting scripture. More importantly, he was quoting God. He was citing a divine promise. How many of you have ever made a promise? Really? <laughs> You're just too ashamed to admit it because you've broken that promise, right? Um, I mean, it can, it can be difficult once you make a commitment to keep that because you don't know what's next coming around the corner. And something may keep you from fulfilling that promise. So do we learn from that? Not to make a promise unless there's something that we really want to do. I wonder if God's not like that. You know, when he makes a promise, he makes a promise. It's something that he wants to do. And he's going to keep that promise that he made. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1.20, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. God keeps 
his promises. We can stand on them. I suspect that Jabez had read about this promise from God in, in Exodus. Enlarge my territory. And, and Jabez says to himself, well, I want that promise for my family. And so God says, yes, I'm going to grant that prayer because I made a promise. How do we pray that kind of prayer? We need to learn to ask ourselves a question before we pray. Why should God want to answer my prayer? What promise has he made in his word that would make me think that my prayer would be important enough for him to answer? I think some of the, the greatest prayers in scripture show us that you know, Moses or Joshua or, or Daniel pray in just that fashion. They all seem to ask themselves, why should God answer? And, th and then we often find they, they either quote a promise from God or, or they reason in their prayer as to, to what benefit God would receive in granting that petition. Not what I would receive. Do you get that? What brings God the glory? Not you or I. Once we figure out why God should answer us, once we tie our prayers to a promise that he's made, then we're praying this prayer of Jabez. I believe that when he cried out in the prayer, Oh, that your hand would be with me that this was one part of his prayer that particularly touched God's heart. And, and, and maybe part of the reason for that is that we just don't like to give up and to hand things over to God. So, so, so many people wouldn't ask that, that God's hand would be with us. We like to do it on our own. We don't want God's hand in our lives because it might limit us or discipline us or challenge us a little bit. Something else gets their attention. And we just don't want to run our lives that way. That may explain one of these... Uh, Okay, let's see. I bet you won't get more hands here. How many of you have heard this phrase? God helps those who... You know what? You're not going to find that anywhere in here. Um, Barna, the research people, right? Okay, they did a poll several years back. And... 82%, 82%, 8 out of every 10 Americans believe that God helps those who help themselves is a quote from the Bible. It's not. That saying comes from Aesop's fables, of all things. The story goes like this. A wagoner was 
driving a heavy load along a muddy way. He comes to a part of the road where the wheels sank halfway in, into this mire of mud and clay. And the more the horses pulled, the deeper the wheels sank. Can't, can't you just picture that? So, so the wagoner, he, he threw down his whip, he knelt down, and he prayed to Hercules the Strong. Oh, Hercules, help me in this hour of distress. But Hercules appeared to him and said, Man, don't sprawl there. Get up and put your shoulder to the wheel. The gods help those who help themselves. That's where we get that from. In other words, one of the most popular religious phrases in America is not found in the Bible. Jabez, I think, knew for a fact that God didn't help those who help themselves. God helps those who were smart enough to lean on him and to obey him. From what Jabez had experienced, God's people were at their strongest when they took hold of God's hand and didn't let go. And they were at their weakest when they tried to go it alone. Another passage that Jabez likely uh, could have been referencing was from Exodus 13, verse 14. And this is referring to the feast of the Passover. In days to come when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. I imagine Jabez would have heard this passage over and over from his parents year after year. It, just, it would have been burned and ingrained in his heart. It was part of life for him. He probably didn't have to read it. He would have had it memorized. And the one thing that this passage would have driven home to him would have been when you have God's hand in your life, you can be let out of despair and slavery and all that life's throwing at you and, and into places that you really ought to be. Jabez had already asked in this prayer to, to receive a blessing, to have God enlarge his territory, and he knew that these things could only be accomplished if he were led by God's hand. The great old hymn, we've sang it here often, He leadeth me, he leadeth me with his own hands, God leads me. His faithful follower I would be, for by God's hands he leadeth me. For people like Jabez, the issue would not have been to have God follow where Jabez wanted to go, but rather for Jabez to be led wherever God knew was best. If that were done, then Jabez knew that God would protect him and give him strength. Someone once summed that up as, if God is your co-pilot, 
Swap seats. Abraham Lincoln understood that. Back in the midst of the Civil War, someone commented that God had to be on the side of the Union because that side was right. Lincoln commented, I am not all that concerned about that, for we know that the Lord is always on the side of the right. But it is my constant anxiety and prayer that I and the nation should choose to be on the Lord's side. Jabez was a man who wanted to be successful. He knew he couldn't do that without God. He wanted to be on God's side. And the lesson for us is that if we want to be successful in business, in family, be successful as a church, then we need God as our pilot. We need to swap seats. Stop trying to do it on our own. Let him and his hand lead us and guide us. Another passage, and I realize I closed this now. Uh, another passage that might have uh, influenced, okay, that's yeah, 2 Corinthians, but, um, that might have influenced Jabez even more was one at Passover. Exodus uh, 33, you know, the setting is during Moses' second trip up Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. Remember, the, the second trip, if you remember, <laughs> the first set of commandments were destroyed, dashed to pieces at the foot of the mountain because of the sins of the Israelites. So now again in God's presence, Moses is unsure of whether God will continue to lead them through the wilderness. And so Moses says, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And here's what God replied. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And this exchange, it goes on for quite a while, and then God says, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. When the Lord's hand was upon Moses in that situation, Moses received God's approval, his favor, and his protection. He covered him with his hand. He was a shelter in a time when they were facing a storm. If, if I were to sum up these takeaways from Jabez's prayer this morning, here they are. One, God is the source of all blessings, whether those are physical, 
spiritual, social, believe that God can and will bless you if you ask according to his will. Why would God want to answer my prayer? Number two, when you pray, ask God to enlarge your territory. We get this sense from this prayer that we're talking geography here. But let's maybe expand that a little bit and not just think in terms of the physical, but in the spiritual. Lord, expand my territory. Make yourself available for more responsibility, for more opportunities to advance his kingdom. Number three, we need to understand that our abilities are limited. We're good at that sometimes. But then other times we press on and we think that we can do it by golly. God is the one who is the source of our strength. We need God's hand to help us through life. So reach out, grab it, accept it. And then lastly, ask God to protect you from harm. And in that, include temptation. Jesus taught us to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God is the great defender, not only of our lives, but of our faith. And so to him, we, we must, we need to turn. He is a shelter in the times of storm.